continue on this message called The Two Cities. But just before I begin, I'd like to just pray and uh, ask the Lord to speak through me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you that uh, it's your desire to bless us, to make us whole, to be more like you, so that we can be a blessing, be a channel of blessing to others. We ask you to cover this place with the blood of Jesus and bind every interference of the enemy and so that your word can reach the hearts of the listeners and bear forth good fruit in their lives. Let there be a spirit of transformation today upon your people, transforming their lives, their families, and this community in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me go to my first slide. Um, I'm talking today about Abraham and Lot, all right? And uh, Michael Ting started with that, and then over to Roger on the different aspects of this topic. But today, my focus uh, is not just on Abraham, but we extend beyond Abraham to Lot. And uh, we're going to see very interesting things about the life of Lot. But um, let's look at first. Uh, First of all, let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, which is the city of fear, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, which is the city of light and faith. He has transferred us or delivered us, first of all, from the domain, the control of Satan in the kingdom of darkness. You know, this world, like it or not, is controlled by Satan. It's controlled by the spirit of darkness. There's darkness all over this world. If you don't believe, just look at the papers. Just turn on the news and you'll see darkness everywhere in this world. It's something that the world can't seem to get rid of. Every time we seem to come into a season of peace, something else will come in to threaten the world. And, and, and that only proves that we are in the domain of darkness. But thanks be to Jesus, through the cross, we have been delivered out of that darkness. So those who are not in Christ are still influenced or affected or, and under the domain of of darkness in their life. It doesn't mean that they are blind. They are groping in life. What it, that is what it means. It, it means that although they see physically, they do not see things from God's perspective. So they are in that domain of darkness. But God has delivered us and transferred us. This is past tense. So we are no longer as children of God In this darkness, we are already in the kingdom of His beloved Son. We have light, we have revelation, we have understanding, we have new perspective on life and things that the world doesn't have. But unfortunately, many Christians are not living in that light. Although we have that light, but because of their wrong focus, 
and understanding, they continue to live in that darkness, just like everyone else, just like in the world. Jesus says, though you are in the world, you are not of this world. And so we've got to learn how to get out of that darkness. So we are focusing today on the lives of Abraham and Lot. All right? And uh, so, uh, first of all, in case you don't know, Abraham is the uncle of Lot. It's like Chris and I, all right? I'm Abraham, he's Lot. No, he's, he's, he's better than Lot. By a lot. So, first of all, I want to emphasize that we are focusing on two persons and these two persons represent two cities or two worlds. Um, and, you know, we all live in two worlds, whether you like it or not. The external world that we live in and the internal world that is inside of you. And often the internal world inside of you is more powerful than the external world that you live in. So there are many people in Australia that live in um, a, a nice country called Australia, the lucky country, the blessed country. Everything's good and dandy out, out in, the, in the natural world here. There's no war, there's peace. But their internal world is full of turmoil. And despite living in a, in a nice country, the most livable city in the world called Melbourne, they can, many fall into depression. Many fall into anxiety and all kinds of problems because their internal world is in turmoil even though the external world is perfect. So Abraham and Lot represent these two worlds, these two cities, the external world and the internal world, so to speak. So let me just read um, Genesis that describe the difference between Abraham and Lot. Now Lot, in Genesis 13, 5 to 7, it says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, notice that Abra Abraham, hadn't, his name hadn't changed yet to Abraham, right? And... Um, also had flocks, herds, and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. You know, such a pity to see that a lot of families, when, when they become very prosperous, and I've seen many families where they, they run a family business, and when they become very prosperous and their children are growing up, wow, you know, uh, there's a lot of quarreling amongst the siblings and they have to part ways. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's and the Canaanites and Parasites as well as the termites and various mites <laughs> were also living in the land at that time. In, so we continue from verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, 
just a background about Lot. Lot's parents died when he was quite young. And so Abraham, being a very gracious man that he, he was, he, he adopted Lot into his family. He put him under his wings and cared for him, nurtured him, helped him to grow, and, and brought him along. When uh, uh, Abraham's father died, he then moved on to the, towards the promised land. Verse 10, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoah. Zoah means small. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So here we have a, a very pivotal point in the lives of Abraham and Lot. Abraham, being the gracious uncle, said to his nephew, you choose, you know, what you want. You take this, I'll, I'll go that way, and, and so on. And so Lot, and, and that shows you the, the, the world that Lot lives in. Because the decisions you make often is not as a result of the external world that you live in. It's the result of your internal world. Your internal world will influence the decisions that you make for good or for bad. And that's why it's so important that your internal world is made right if you want to be blessed in life. Alright? And so Lot, he chose on the basis of his natural mind, seeing the plains of Jordan. They were up in the mountain in that range. In, if you go to Israel, there's a central range there and it's uh, we'll, we'll look at the map in a moment. But uh, there's uh, near, the Red, near the Dead Sea. And he looked at the plains of the River Jordan. Beautiful green grass. He was looking at the natural. But he wasn't looking at the spiritual, at the things, whether it pleases God or not. So many of us make decisions on the basis of what is good for us naturally without considering the spiritual implications of our decisions. All right, whether to move, uh, migrate to Australia or not, for example, many people choose to come to this lucky country, oh, green grass here, you know, the plains of Jordan, and they come for their children's education, for uh, nice uh, golf courses, for, uh, you know, nice food, nice surroundings. Nothing wrong with that, but they come with a wrong spirit, with the wrong heart, just focusing on the natural without wondering, without asking God, is this your will, God? What's my purpose for coming into Australia? So coming and migrating Australia is fine, but what's your motive? What's your heart? What's your internal world? A saying regarding that. So we see here the map 
the ancient map of Israel and they are not exactly sure where Sodom and Gomorrah uh, was located. But archaeologists have discovered that actually it's, it's very, it could be part of the lower part of the Dead Sea because the Dead Sea actually was a bit smaller those days. And there was a path that, uh, there was a gap. Can you see that, that there's an in, inward part where Gomorrah is? There's a land jutting in. And during those days, uh, they, they think that there was uh, uh, the, the land extended uh, right across and they could cross right into uh, the other side where Gomorrah is and Sodom is. And, uh, and so Lot went that way and Abraham went westward. Lot went eastward to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and... Uh, so we, we see that, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah were very wicked. Lot lived there on the fringes of Sodom. He didn't go right into the city to live in there. He lived in the outer suburbs, maybe like uh, Ringwood or Croydon or, or, or something like that, you know. And then the city is like uh, Sodom, Sodom City, where it's very wicked, very uh, immoral and so on. And, and you can read the whole story of uh, how God came to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent angels there uh, to, to Lot and, uh, and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, or Sodom, wanted to come to Sodomize. That's where the word Sodomize comes, comes from. Wanted to rape these uh, angels who look like people, like men, all right? And, and that's the kind of perversion that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And in many ways, our world is heading that way, right? It's becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah in, in this world. So, you know, I, I think we are heading towards that direction. Um, now, first of all, let me focus on the inner world of Abraham, what we call the city of Abraham. So we are looking at two worlds now, the world of Abraham, the inner world of Abraham and the inner world of Lot. I call this inner world of Abraham, I call it the city of Abraham. First of all, this city of Abraham is founded on faith in God, in Yahweh, the great architect and builder. We see this in Hebrews 11 verse 8 to 10. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. <clears throat> Anything that God does has foundations. Many times when we look at things naturally, we think that's a good thing. But we never ask, is God in it or not? If God is not in that decision, it will, it will not have foundations. But when God is in it, He puts solid foundations in that matter, be it marriage, right? 
and my daughter's getting married, so you know, we, we are focusing on that. The question is, hey, is God in this relationship or not? If God is not in this relationship, your marriage is not on strong foundations. But if God is in it, even though things may not turn out so well or whatever, but if God is in the center of it, it will always have foundations. Just like Evelyn and I, we've been married 42 years now, that we've had ups and downs. We've had big quarrels as well, you know, even though we are pastors or whatever. We have issues, but because we are connected uh, body, soul and spirit, even though the body and the soul part may fail, our spirit part still connects us together, right? So, you know, many people are just attracted and bonded through the physical or through uh, the, the mind or through emotions. But our emotions do fail us. Our physical do fail. We get old, we get ugly and what, loose hair and, and all of that. All right, we are no longer... Uh, like Angelina Jolie or Brad Pitt anymore, you know. Even Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie are looking older now, you know, not so attractive. Then what holds you together? It's the spirit connection, all right? And so we've got to... So Abraham's world is made up of tremendous faith in God who who is the great architect and builder. He's not just the builder, but he is both the architect and builder. One-stop shop, you know. I, I, I built my house, so I went to one who is both architect and builder to make it easier for me. And so we have a God who designs things for you and builds you up as well. How good is that, you know? And... and and it's free of charge. <laughs> Abraham looked to God. The second thing is that Abraham looked to God in, in this world, inner world of Abraham. I'm giving you an insight into the heart and the inner world of Abraham so that we can emulate him. That if we can change our perspective, our inner world, you know, it will change you. It will transform you and you'll be blessed. Abraham looked to God, not man, for his ultimate reward. In Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in the vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Not just reward, but exceedingly great reward. So Abraham... He's not looking to man. He's not looking to Abimelech, King Abimelech to bless him. Although he did bless him, he's not looking to man to provide for him. He's only looking to God and God alone. And that's so important in life. Many of us, we get disappointed when we look to man to, to meet our needs, to supply us with stuff and, and, to, and, and we get hurt, we get disappointed because Pastor Chris has failed him, you know. Pastor Roland has failed him and different people that they have put their trust in, they have failed him. You know, just recently on the news, they showed this pastor in America, Jesse Duplantis, saying that he wants a, a, a jet 
plane costing 50-something million. That guy is loony, by the way. That's, that's true prosperity gospel going off, off the rock. All right? And so, you know, you look at pastors, you look at churches, they will disappoint you because man always will have this weakness in them. But Abraham didn't look to, to man. He looked to God for his ultimate reward. And he had a strong sense of identity of who he, who he is, that God had called him. No matter what people say, he will be who he is because he's a child of God. And, and you may, people may rail at him and, and belittle him and, and all of that, but it doesn't affect him because he knows who he is before God. And he knows his destiny, that God is his destiny. God is leading him and guiding him. And, you know, just before I came to Australia to plant this church, I was seeking God uh, and, and asking God, Lord, which country, which place are you leading me to? And he says, to Australia. And there were many options open to me in America, in Singapore, in Malaysia, but I, I really felt that my inner world where God lives was telling me, go to Australia. And even though a, a renowned prophet came and told me, don't go to Australia. It's a land uh, of graveyards for pastors and evangelists and missionaries. All these uh, pastors, they die there, you know, spiritually. It's a, it's a hard ground you're going to. And if you go there, I see in the vision that you are going down the tube. Here's a prophet, known prophet, telling me that. And so, if I was just swayed by that, if I didn't hear God myself in my inner world, knowing, being secure in who I am and where I'm heading, I would have been swayed by that and there will be no FGA Melbourne today, Right? And so it's so important that our decisions are guided by the inner voice and which will give you... So he had a great sense of identity and destiny and operated from the heart of security and confidence. God was Abraham's provider, Jehovah Jireh. How did that term come from? Uh, it was uh, after the sacrifice of Isaac that... Uh, Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh. God didn't give him the name. He already had it internalized in his heart that God is his provider. And, and then when God provided the ram, it was a confirmation again that God is the provider. So, you know, it's very important that we have this strong sense of security and identity. You know, I didn't always have this strong sense of identity and security. I grew up as a very nervous boy. I've told this story many times. I think I've written it even in my book for those but who have not read my book or who are new in the church. I will just quickly repeat it that I grew up as a very nervous boy because my parents were constantly having issues because my father was a gambler, was a, you know, he did, I won't name all the vices he went into, but it, 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 provided very little security for us. He lost all our money, millions of dollars he lost through gambling. And 
And there was a time that my mom came to me as I think around 10 years old and said, son, we've got to tighten our belts because the tin mining business was going downhill in the 60s. And just that little statement sewn into my heart brought great insecurity that we have to tighten. Money is tight. And I, from then on, my palms became very sweaty. You have a shower if I put my hand over you. I mean, that's exaggerating it. But my mom took me to Dr. Joy Sivaratnam, who was our family doctor at that time. He was in KL. And Dr. Joy looked at me and examined me and said to my mom, you have a very nervous son. He can snap any time. So don't put any pressure on him to get A's for Form 5. All right? Relax. Take it easy on him. Thank God for Dr. Joy, you know. And so I was a very nervous boy. I grew up with a lot of insecurity in my heart. And many of you would have a lot of insecurities in your life because of things that have happened to you, traumas that you've been through, and, and difficult situations that have sown insecurity in you. And so your inner world has been broken, has been traumatized, and that influences now your, what's driving you, all right? And so it's very important. And, and you know, just before I left uh, uh, England from my studies back to Australia, God touched me in such an incredible way. I, I, I was in a conference, in a charismatic conference. The Holy Spirit came upon me and, and revealed my insecurities and healed me. And I cried for over an hour. Just crying nonstop. You know, I don't cry easily, by the way, you know. But God so touched me and healed the inner world of mine and pulled out all the insecurities in my life. And I thought everything was done until God tested me again years later after I worked with Unilever and things were going on well and said, I want you to resign from your job, quit your job like Chris, and, uh, and come and work full-time in FGAKL. You know, they, they, poor, they, they call them poor pastors, all right? And, and, and uh, they call them holy pastors because they have holes in the pocket, you know? They don't, pay, they don't pay the pastors well. So to quit from that job to go into, into full-time pastoring was a big challenge. And my insecurity was driving me to say, no, you don't, you can't, you, you shouldn't do that. Here, you've got a good job, you've got a good career going, they're sending you to Europe for secondment and so on. But, you know, as I saw the Lord, Lord began to heal the insecurity, the last part of the insecurity in me to enable me to make the right decision in my life. The next thing about Abraham's world, that he lived in this culture, in this world of big-heartedness, magnanimity. He had a magnanimous heart. Magnanimity comes from the word magnify, you know, big-hearted and generous, uh, gracious person he was. And Abraham's care for Lot reflects the heavenly father's heart towards us like the prodigal son's father, always wanting the very best for us. 
you know, that story of the prodigal son is not really about the prodigal son. It's actually revealing more about, I mean, what's so great about prodigal son? He's a rascal, you know, right? Or don't, don't blow his trumpet. It's, it's about the father who is so gracious that despite what the son has done, he's out there with that big-heartedness, a father with big heart. And that's the kind of God that we have. He's a father who is big-hearted. He's not small-minded. And, you know, so Abraham is actually reflecting the heart of Father God. He's showing us the kind of God that we have when we come to the Lord Jesus. It reflects also the heart of Jesus in John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. You know, very few uh, masters want their disciples to be greater than them. Only a father does. Right, Ivan, would you want your children to be greater than you? Right? Definitely, because he's a father. But if you are a master, you know, those Kung Fu masters those days, they will always hold back 5 to 10% of what they know uh, and, and in case the disciple acts up and overpowers him. So last minute, you know, he will come out with something. <laughs> and overpower them and kick him out, you know? So, because of the insecurity, see, in the masters. But a true father always wants his children to do better than him. So, if I have a a normal degree, I want my children to have PhD or to be a doctor, to be better, and they will sacrifice, they will tighten their belts, do whatever for their children to progress more because it comes out from the heart of a father. And Abraham depicts that. So we who do not come to Jesus, to God the Father, we are missing so much out in our life and we continue to live in our own strength, in our own security. Abraham was chosen by God because he had a father's heart. His name was changed from Abraham Abraham, which means exalted father, to Abraham. He must eat a lot of ham, I think. (laughs) Which means father of many nations of the multitude after God made the covenant with him. So he changed his name from exalted, meaning he was a good father. Of all the millions of people in the world those days, God looked for a father, a man called Abraham, who had a father's heart. He says, hey, this is the person I will choose because he's a good father. But he, he promoted him and elevated him from just being a good father to be a father of the multitude of the world, of many nations. Still a father. See, he used that, that name, Abraham. And, and the difference between Abraham and Abraham is the word ha. Ruah, that word ha there, which means the breath of God, the Holy Spirit came into Abraham and transformed him from being just a father of his family to be a father of many nations. In Genesis 18, 19, it says, 
and, and this verse reveals that. Uh, I'm not just picking things up from the air. It says, for I've known him. God says, I've, I've known him. I've seen him. I know his heart. In order, I know that he will command his children and his household after him, that they will keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So he can see that Abraham has a father's heart, who, who is a caring, loving, gracious, big-hearted person. And it's proven by the fact that, by the way he handled Lot. Alright, we'll look at that in a moment. In Philippians 2, 3-4, this verse emphasized as this is the New Testament, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let us esteem each other better than, esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Most people only look for their own interests, I tell you. I've lived considerably in, on this world. I'm not as old as Mahathir, but you know. Uh, but I've seen enough that most people just look to their own interests. But God is saying, hey, don't look only for your own interests. If you want to be like Abraham, to be big-hearted father, you've got to begin to look out for the interests of others. And I'm so glad we are praying. We prayed for the home group leaders because by being a home group leader, you are actually becoming a father, a spiritual mother and father. When I say father, I'm not sexy, sorry, all right? It includes mothers as well. So this father term is, is just describing the father heart of God that you becoming a home group leader, you're taking flocks under you and you are caring for them. You are becoming a spiritual father to these people. Wonderful. Well done. Paul had the same father's heart. He says, 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, and you know, a lot of people, they go to YouTube to listen to this speaker or that speaker. They run from seminar to that seminar to conference and until they're conferenced out, you know. But they don't have a spiritual father in their life. And, and Paul says, though you have 10,000, wow, that's a lot of instructors, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you as a father through the gospel. And so, you know, our church, we emphasize on sonship, daughtership, and fatherhood. We, we've got to look to people who can father you, who can nurture you, and, and give you spiritual foundations in your life. And this is, the, this is how the heart of IPIN has been birthed. Because of what I've been through, uh, God began to reveal to me His heart for other pastors, missionaries, and churches to help them to become more effective for God's kingdom, expecting nothing in return. Many people say, hey, why the pastors come to me at the end of this that program, that retreat, why do you take us to so nice five-star hotel, you know, and treat us so well to nice food, restaurant, and all that? And uh, uh, why can't you just save money and give us, you know, two-star hotel and, and all of that? I say, 
I want to reveal to you the Father's heart of God to you. How much He loves you for what you have done to serve Him. I tell you, when I tell them how much God loves them, these pastors, 10 out of 10 times, they all weep and cry. Nobody has ever told these pastors that God loves them and wants to care for them. So I'm showing them how much God actually loves and cares for them, for serving God, for the sacrifice that they have been through. And consequently, you know, because of this heart for I, in Ipin, the, the magnanimous heart of God, God has provided abundantly for Ipin these 14 years. I have not uh, gone begging for money for all of this. In fact, I want to close Ipin down every year. I'm so tired. I, I tell God, God, leave me alone. Let me go. I, 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 I don't want to be traveling and running all day. It's very tiring, you know, and I don't get one cent out of it, you know. But every time, and I, I run the, my accounts down as low as possible. So I've got no more money. I, I've got excuse not to run another IPIN. But suddenly, come next year, poop, it goes up again. I don't know where the money comes in. Suddenly, this person will donate, that person will donate, and so on. And then God said, there you are, you know. You have to keep going until the oil runs dry, right? But this is the heart of IPIN. Have the, can I encourage you, not just on, on IPIN, but yourself, to have the spirit of a father. Be the, have a spirit of an encourager, like Barnabas who helped Paul become great. You know, Paul, Barnabas, he, I think he's greater than Paul because Paul wanted to get rid of John Mark. Uh, and Barnabas said, no, no, hold on, you know. Let's care for this guy, although he's a little brat and ran away and so on. Let's encourage him. We would not have the gospel of Mark today if Barnabas didn't have the father's heart. You know, it's hard to play second fiddle. And I just want to thank uh, the, uh, my associate pastors, especially Pastor YC, who served under me so faithfully all these years, you know. It's hard to play second fiddle. And, and you know, a lot of pastors, uh, junior pastors, they want to be number one and uh, be the top man. Hard to play second fiddle, be a servant of all, Uncle Alan, you know, our elder always being there for, for me and say, I'm, I'm right behind you, Roland, you know, don't worry, I'm right behind you. And, and, and that gives me a lot of comfort, a lot of strength. And most people, just they want to just be number one. But Abraham was not like that. Abraham was able to hold things loosely in Job 121. It says, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are not going to be able to take your Louis Vuitton bag with you into your grave. Yes, you can bring it there, but it'll rot. In the next world, all your branded stuff, you're not going to be able to take it there. Your houses, your jewelry and all that, that uh, you know, Rosma, the, the uh, previous... 
prime minister's wife, you know, wife, she accumulated all these. She's not going to take it to the next world. But Mark 8.35 says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Isn't that powerful? That here, if you are just so generous and so magnanimous and just losing your life, as it were, for others and blessing others, God says you will find it. But if you grab and hold and be selfish, you will lose it. And, and let's quickly now look at the city of Lot, the world of Lot. He was an orphan. Orphan Lot was driven by insecurity and influenced by Egypt and Sodom and Gomorrah. It depicts those who are soaked in the world's culture and values. Be careful of worldly influences of your peers, even the school that you... Nowadays, school is not safe anymore. <laughs> right? You know what I mean. And of the music you hear, the media, the games and entertainment which project bad values, lifestyle, immoral lifestyle, language, drugs and violence, they get into our soul and they change us. You know, my daughter's best friend, Deborah, as I've mentioned before, the son, who is 21 years or 22 years old, training to be an electrician, he, they just found him, he, he blew his brains out. He put the gun to his head and, and through his mouth and killed himself. His face couldn't be recognized when they found him. And that's because the, the mum, when, when he, you know, the father split from the home, that's a broken home situation. And, you know, I, I, if you should see his face, I have a photo of that young man's face and his girlfriend. He looks like a Hollywood model. He is big, he's muscular, good-looking guy. He's, uh, and and, and the, the uh, uh, girlfriend looks like uh, a model, like straight from Hollywood, all right? Beautiful girl. He had everything going for him, but yet, you know, this insecurity in him this inner world of him drove him to shoot himself. How sad. You know why? Because from young, he's been listening to all this uh, worldly music, especially the, the black grotto kind of music, you know, which depict violence and shooting and killing. And, and so the grandma told the mom, don't let him listen to this kind of music. She says, no, no, no. This music will never influence him. It will, not, it will not have an effect on him. So when this happened, this, uh, my daughter's friend realized that she had done wrong in allowing him to soak himself in this kind of violent music that he, and into drugs. Then he went into drugs and so on, into depression. And that's how he killed himself. Lord's soul was vexed every day from the lawlessness of Sodom and Gomorrah, but yet, he would not flee. You know, I, I write here 2 Timothy 2.22. Let me read this to you. It's a very powerful verse. It says, Flee also youthful lusts or desires, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those 
who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I've never seen this verse in that light before. That It says, flee these things, but don't just flee, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Together with those, together with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, we cannot pursue righteousness, peace, love and joy and all the things of God alone. We can only pursue it together with those godly people. So if you want to grow, you want to have the, the inner world of Abraham in you, you've got to hang around those who are godly, who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. You think, many people think, nowadays, no need to go to church, I will just watch YouTube service, you know. I've attended church because I've watched a YouTube service. You're missing the point. To pursue righteousness, you've got to pursue with, together with, the word together is not there, but it's with the people who will carry you along. It's so important. Let me uh, just finish up here. Represents, Lot represents worldly perspective and values. And Genesis 13, 10 says, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. I've read that before. Like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zod, like the land. So he was influenced by Egypt already. Abraham was in Egypt as well, but he was not influenced by Egypt. So you can be in the world, but yet not of the world. Nowadays, we live in a world where it's a me, this new generation especially. Sorry, young people, you know. But I, I noticed that there's a lot of me-first attitude. iPad, that's why you call I, iPad, iPhone. Then the, you know, the, the corporate world knows that. It says, me bank. Me, 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 me. Everything is me, I. Cater to yourself. That's why you have what you call fear of missing out, FOMO. Do you have a FOMO spirit? Fear of missing out? What in Singapore they call it kiasu. Kiasu spirit, spirit of competition, envy, jealousy. Oh, you see other people having bigger cars, nicer things than you. You, you get jealous, envious. Very few people actually want you to be better than them. Want you to, wow, to be successful. You know, I'll do everything to make you successful. When you are successful, I'm happy. How many, how many people are like that, right? And uh, so when we, when we have the wrong spirit of mind, this is called small-mindedness, just like Lot. See, Lot's attitude was contrary to the oriental culture of the day where the nephew is meant to defer to the uncle, the, the older, right? Normally, the younger people in those ancient times, they will say, uncle, you have first choice, you know? You, this is, you are the big man. You are the one who has led us here. You have looked after me all these years. I give you first choice. But he says, no, 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 me first. I go to me bank, you know. 
I have iPad, I, all the eyes. I first look at that land. I'm going, that's for me. His selfish posture resulted in disaster for him and his family. His FOMO caused him to lose out even more. The fear of losing out caused him to lose out his entire family. And his daughters were corrupted by the values of Sodom and committed incest. His wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Well, at least they won't run out of salt. But there is a big big rock uh, statue in the, near the Dead Sea and they call it uh, Lot's Wife. It's, it's there, right? It looks like a woman kind of thing. So they, they call it Lot's Wife for those who went on the trip with me some years ago. But, uh, you know, your... your your decision. So if you migrate to Australia, for example, all right, and your heart is just set on, oh, building a good life, all the natural things, you know, selfish lifestyle, you're not setting an example for your children. And, and guess what? You may end up losing your family. They'll go wayward. They will turn away from the things of God. You've got to set that lifestyle, that pattern for your children to follow, to be fervent for the Lord. And, and that's why it's important for you yourself to be fervent. And even though you come to a nice country of Australia, do not become complacent. Continue to serve the Lord and be a home group leader. <laughs> now, let me just <laughs> a plug for the uh, home group ministry. 2 Peter 2, 6-8 And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot. <laughs> I struggle with that. Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul Wow, so many times, righteous man, righteous soul, from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. You know, when I read this verse, I struggle with it. I say, God, how can you describe, this is in the New Testament in Peter, Lot, who has done all these selfish things and destroyed his family, how can you call him righteous? Right? So many times. Righteous Lot, righteous man, righteous soul. Three times God calls him righteous. And then God showed me, it's, it's such an encouragement that many of us are like Lot, <laughs> including myself, right? We fail many times. But God, it shows the big-heartedness of God. It shows the magnanimity of God the Father. <clears throat> that despite what you go through, what, 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 how you've messed your life, when you come to Jesus, He calls you righteous. You are forgiven. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And you know, it's, it's so comforting. But nevertheless, if you make wrong decisions and you have the heart of Lord, you will suffer the consequences in this life. Nevertheless, God doesn't look down on you. 
He still looks at you. You, you believe in Jesus. You come to Him to, for, in repentance. He will still call you righteous. And to close it, let's look at the blessing that when we have the posture of Abraham, a heart of gold, this is the kind of blessing. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. You know, I today we, we sang the song Faithful God and truly, you know, even as I have given up my career and my life, so to speak, to serve God, God has given me a multitude of friends and family around the world. I go to Slovakia and the uh, Dep the uh, shadow health minister, Dr. Marek, is, is our friend. He was our coordinator for our IPIN ministry. I can go to Cambodia and, you know, Pastor Asing and Peggy is there, to Vietnam, to China, to Africa, Pastor Subi is there and we're, we're taking IPIN there. So God has enlarged my tent I mean, I, I may not be financially rich, as rich as what I would like to be, but nevertheless, God has blessed me so much. When you lose your life for Him and for the gospel's sake, you will find it. But when you grab hold of everything, have the kiasu for more spirit, it says you will lose everything. Let's pray, shall we? I just want to close in prayer to pray for those who have been through trauma and difficulties and there's a lot of insecurity that's driving you in your life. And just quickly, can you just, just put up your hand if you need prayer today. I don't want to embarrass you, but if, you have, if there's deep insecurity in your life, and you can come out after the service as well. I'd be happy to pray for you. But just put up your hand right now. If you need prayer, if, if you feel that there's insecurity or fear, you know, sometimes when we talk about fear, it's very vague. But when we talk about fear in the form of insecurity, it becomes more tangible. There's a lot of things that we are insecure about in our life. Can you just put your hand up right now? I just want to end in praying for you. Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are up. Many are driven by a lot of insecurity in their lives. Just as you healed me of my nervousness and my insecurity that drove me, heal these ones. Take away the brokenness. And often it comes from our childhood, Lord. Just like Lot, he was an orphan. And when his parents died, he was soaked in insecurity. Insecurity crept into his heart. And that's what drove him to Sodom and Gomorrah. I pray, Lord, that the insecurities in our brothers and sisters here will not drive them 
into Sodom and Gomorrah. But Lord, you will, Lord, you will heal them. We cut it off. We wash the hearts off this insecurity. It doesn't matter whether we come from a rich or poor family. Many rich sons even have insecurities. So heal, release the liquid, your liquid love to replace the insecurity. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, just before you go, there's a, there's a secret that most people don't realize. Um, when, when the church did its senior pastor transition, um, FGA is doing pretty well at the moment. But when the, when the church did its transition from Pastor Rome to myself, I actually really think, and I've spent eight years working in change strategy. I actually think the main reason why we've transitioned well is because of Pastor Roland and his big heart. We have now gone on to help many other churches with the transition. And we have seen when the founding pastor holds on tight or wants to claim back stuff, it's virtually impossible for the next guy to do anything without initiating a fight. And we are very blessed. I, I just want to say publicly to Uncle Roland, we're very blessed to come under the shadow of a magnanimous father, of a generous founding pastor. So I just want to honor Uncle Roland. I want to say thank you to Uncle Roland. And